Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good Tuesday to you all. We are two weeks from the start of the NBA season. It is officially upon us now. Preseason in full swing. We're getting to see stuff. Starting lineups that may or may not correspond to anything at all. <laughs> Probably not. Um, and, uh, you know, as I was saying yesterday, I really do feel pretty strongly that what you're trying, what you're looking for in the preseason is you're looking for health more than anything. Are the guys that you're targeting healthy enough to belong on your fantasy team. That's all that's really it. Like that's that's really all you're trying to get at. If they are terrific, if they're not, it gives us more data. The other thing I've been noticing lately is really about the old guys this year. And I've said it on an earlier episode, but I think it bears repeating that the more drafts I do, the more mocks I participate in, because I haven't, I haven't had a real draft yet. Although I keep checking the Yahoo Public Prize Leagues to see if any Roto ones are coming up. And the only ones that are have like three teams in them. I did this last year where I signed up for a couple of the, the Yahoo Public Prize Leagues. And a couple of them happened. I think two of them happened. But I think two of them also got canceled because they didn't fill up. People need to like Roto more. I need to preach to you guys more about Roto. But I guess maybe you're not the ones in those those public leagues. So of the mocks that I've been doing, the old guys, even though some of their X ranks have been adjusted back up where they, well, maybe not where they should be, but certainly closer to where they should be, there's still an innate distrust among the fantasy community at large. And it's interesting, too. Uh, I did a hit on... Josh's podcast, Josh Lloyd's show that I think aired earlier this morning, where he talked a little bit about the old guy fear of could an old guy just fall off a cliff? I think he's expressing that in a way that most like regular fantasy players probably aren't thinking that deeply about it. Meaning he's right. He has a good point. Some old guys do fall off a cliff. By the way, they tend to be big men. Typically, the cliff comes faster. It's a bit more gradual for guards. But I think with the general public, they're not worried about the drop-off. I think they're just like, in their head, there's a thought that, quote, old guy just misses a lot of time. Like Chris Paul, for instance. Could he miss time this year? Absolutely. Has he been missing time for the type of injuries we tend to associate with old guys? No. Who has, actually? Well, LeBron, oddly enough, has been an old guy starting to miss time for old guy type of injuries. He's got the sore knee. It swells up. He's got to take games off. Chris Paul hasn't had a sore knee in years. Chris Paul hasn't had a pulled hamstring in years. So there's this, I think, built-in distrust. So Even though Yahoo's X ranks, which is the thing that sort of builds the board for the most part, even though they brought Freddie Van Fleet back up to number 20. He was not a traditional old guy, but, you know, 
balky knees and old guy fantasy game and all that stuff. Even though Kawhi is now at 24 on the Yahoo X rank board. By the way, they dropped LeBron all the way down to 22, so he actually went the other direction. Uh, even though Jimmy Butler, they've brought back into the 20s. He's at 29. Even though Chris Paul, they've moved up to 30 now from the mid to late 30s. I don't think people are taking these guys. I don't think people want the old guy, which is great for us. For, you know, obviously grain of salt type of stuff. You can't take all old dudes or your team will be, for one, a little bit risky. But also, like, the old guys don't tend to be hyper-focused on taking 25 shots a game. Chris Paul, just pillar of efficiency, great percentages. Jimmy Butler, great percentages. They don't take a ton of three-pointers anymore. LeBron, the free throw came back a little bit. It's still not great, but, you know, good field goal percent. He was the more popcorn-y of these, of these old guys. Vooch is another great example, as Dan accidentally rattles off, like, half of the Dan Vespers old man squad. And then the other thing that's happening this year is... The old guys stop being interesting after basically Chris Middleton, although he got hurt, so maybe he's not even that interesting anymore. Uh, Drew Holiday maybe is like the last interesting old guy in the first chunk, or Kristaps Porzingis maybe. And then I don't really like the old guys in the middle chunk, as we've talked about before. And then I do like some old guys coming a little bit later. So you're able to take some swings. You know, if you do go old men, second round, third round, whatever... You can take some pretty big hacks in the fifth, sixth round this year. You can get nuts earlier than ever. It's going to be a fun one. So that was a little bit of a uh, let me talk to you about old guys (laughs) at the front end of this podcast. Welcome to the show. I haven't even said hello yet. What a jerk move by me. Hi, everyone. Hello, love Uncle Leo. I'm Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do follow me over there. It means the world to me. It's where we're going to grow a lot of our stuff that we do. You know, quick hit threads. Yesterday, I did a big quick hit thread on first round stuff over on Twitter. Most of the things you'd see on social right now are things that I'm already talking about on the podcast. But that's not the case once the season starts. Once we begin, things happen all day and need to be addressed more quickly than I can on a once a day pod. So that's why that's important. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, on social. For another reason that that's important is that we are uh, sports ethos, almost called us hoopball, ethos listener leagues start drafting in three days. So this is basically last call. I'll do it on a couple of podcasts. If you're interested in playing in a sports ethos league, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Vespers or email roster at sportsethos.com. And if you'd like to come work with us here at Sports Ethos, whether that's basketball, football, baseball, DFS, gambling, podcasting, video casting, D- did I say DFS? DFS is a big one right now. Hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email roster at sportsethos.com. Uh, this is going to be a fun one today. We got Matt Smith coming on the show in just a couple of minutes. Smitty! We went back and forth last year, two years ago on other names possibly for sleepers, and uh, Smitty's was one that actually made it pretty far in the polls, which I know he thought was hilarious because it's just based on his last name. (laughs) And people were like, oh, that one sounds fun, as Matt's sitting there going, yes, yes, excellent choice, puppet mastering the public, the great Matt Smith. So we'll talk to him in just a moment. He's going to give us, uh, he's always got a few Smitty's in the tank, 
you will not be disappointed. If you make it to the end of that interview, you're going to get all sorts of really interesting late-round attack spots from Matt. A little teaser there at the beginning of the show. And today is the last day that Sports Ethos has a coupon of any kind during draft season. And right now, it's the old school bundle. That's the combination fantasy and sports betting bundle. It has access to the Brewski 150 right now. Sports Ethos has two packages that have the B150 in them. That's Ethos 360. And then for a few bucks less per month, that's the old school bundle. Use coupon code BRUPON, 2-B-R-U-P-O-N, the number two, to get the first month free on the old school bundle. That is, of course, a season subscription but the first month free with coupon code BRUPON2. After today, the coupon is done. And after today, we sort of start the countdown to the Fantasy Pass, getting access to everything. But that's still four days away right now. So if you've got a draft coming up in the next three days, you need the old school bundle. If you just want to get out in front of everybody, like if you've got to make keeper projections, you want the old school bundle. And our wagering guys, who I just don't want to overlook, have won 100 units in the last year. You can pay for all of this and a down payment on a car with that type of work. Old school bundle, on 2, let's get going. It's a lovely annual tradition. We can't, go, we can't go a year without it. I welcome back to the show, one of my good buddies, Matt Smith, Smitty, at Sports on Twitter. I, I guess I probably should have let you say something after I yelled the word Smitty, but let, let's pretend that I yelled it again and then asked, how are you, man? Welcome back. Dan, thank you. I'm very well. How are you? Hanging in there, a little tired. Um, we were talking off air. You're, uh, you're about a year into parenthood now. You hanging in there all right? Yeah, it's been good. It's been the quickest year of my life with the least amount of sleep, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good fun. I think I've described it uh in my own head as both the fastest and the slowest year of all time like because when you're in the individual moments you're like oh my god i'm so tired i don't know how i'm gonna do this and then you blink and it's a year and you don't really remember any of it so i feel like that also makes it feel shorter i don't know i might be out of my mind um no that's crazy in any event, Matt, of course, is over with Basketball Monster, uh, doing outstanding work as always, and you bring to the table the turn on the industry mock. You had the 12 pick, which isn't as awful this year as it has been, at least last year. It was just terrible to be at the turn. This season, it seems like maybe there's a little more you can do with it. Have you found that to be the case? And then also... Uh, are the names starting to move a little bit to where maybe it's getting a little harder on the turn than it was a couple weeks ago? What do you think about that 12 slot just kind of as a whole? Yeah, I think it's almost the almost the perfect spot to pick from. I mean, in my opinion, there's 13 top 12 players this season with, you know, Jokic, um, Luka, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Tyrese Halliburton, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard, Tatum, Ball, and Harden. And then I took Trey at at 12 and then backed it up with Carl Anthony Towns. And I think they're the, the 13 best players. Yes, you could probably make a case for Kyrie Irving and maybe LeBron James, but they just miss so many games these days. So to have pick 12 and, and get two, yeah, what we'll call first round players. Um, and for me with Trey Young and Carl Anthony Towns, just to bookend my team with some elite um, scoring and assists with Trey Young and then Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I think he'll take a little bit of a hit with Rudy Gobert joining that team and playing further away from the basket. But He's still going to be, um, you know, an elite roto player, um, and the points 
the rebounds are still going to be there. They'll drop off a little bit, but that might um, mean there's a few extra assists and threes playing a little bit further away from the basket. So really happy to, to get those two. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. You know what's really interesting, too, about that pairing of Trey and Cat? I feel like if, if someone had gone into almost any recent season, including this one, and made a claim of, oh, I got Trey and I got Cat in a 12-team league, they'd be called insane. But it's not that nuts. This, this isn't the only time I've seen this happen where one of those two guys does slip into the second round. Uh, in this draft, it's mostly because Halliburton and Dame went in the first, so then someone squeezes back just a little bit. Uh, sometimes you see Dame as the 13th. Sometimes you see, uh, like, LaMelo as the 13th. Sometimes you see Halliburton. But like you said, that you like, with 13 names, sometimes, some you know, you run a, a sample, you run a test of 10,000 samples or whatever it is. At some point, the 12 and 13 is going to be the guys you got. That's an unbelievable pair that... I don't know. Am I again? Am I way off base here? Like, if you had said, if you had just put out into the world three months ago that you could have Trey and Cat in your first and second rounds, and it wouldn't be that nuts, people would have called you crazy, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And you know, particularly with Rudy Gobert joining that team, as I said, the Timberwolves, we weren't too sure how that would play out, but um, you know, it looks like it'll still be pretty good value. And yeah, the back end of that first, like you said, it's easy to take. Lillard or Ball or Hart, like Harden even fell to 11, which yeah. which is pretty crazy for me. Like I have my top five player this season. Um, I've seen Steph Curry fall to 10, 11, 12 as well. Tyrese Halliburton will be in that range. Um, and literally there's no bad picks. So it's a, it's a really good place to start. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, end of the third, beginning of the fourth, um, 36-37, Cade Cunningham, Kristaps Porzingis, this is uh, around where Cade is typically going. You went a tiny bit earlier than I've seen on Porzingis, but uh, you know me. You know my type of player at Roto. You're you're often going for slightly older, per-game upside kind of guys. That feels like that's the story with Porzingis. So I don't... You know, I'll, I'll let you give your reasoning there, but I feel like I may have I may have answered that question before I even asked it. What do you think uh, Cade's jump looks like this year? I, I haven't talked a ton about him because I've... You know me and, and younger players. Um, where where do his big strides come this season? Um, I think they come from everywhere, and and I'm really high on Cade this season. And I know um, you play a lot of nine cat roto, and sorry, obviously the turnovers hurt, and the efficiency you need to take care of that as well. But from an eight cat 
point of view and particularly playing in head-to-head legs. Like he was the 48th player last season, so we had a top 50 season. And I've compared him to a couple of other first or first round guards from the last couple of years in LaMelo Ball, Trey Young and Luka Dontich. And, and Trey's first season, he finished 58th. LaMelo's first season, he finished 56th. And Luka was 53rd. And then those guys jumped to 7th, 10th and 15th in their second season. So... I'm not going to sit here and tell you, Dan, that Cade's going to be a, a top 15 player, but I do think he'll be um, a top 20 player. Um, I think that improvement is going to come across the board. I think the scoring will increase, the rebounds, the assists, the steals, the threes. I think the field goal percentage will increase as well, um, just with a with a natural bump um, um, in his second season and playing with some better players and, and that team gelling together. Um, so, like I said, I think I'd target Kate at the end of the second round, early third round in in competitive le- leagues, particularly in head-to-head format. Um, and I'll go one step further, further and think that Cade Cunningham can be a first-round player this time next season. Yeah, I like that you brought up the head-to-head and roto side of things as well, because I, I know that there's there's a couple schools of thought on how those differ or stay the same. I, I do think that you you have to approach them kind of differently um, where with head-to-head percentages fluctuate so much on a week-to-week basis if you take a couple guys that maybe aren't as good at one it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be at the bottom in that it means you know odds are maybe but you have a couple of decent weeks mixed in with like one truly horrible one and that could be your team could still be bad at field goal percent you still might go two and one over that three-week stretch where with roto it's going to be what it's going to be at the end of the year. Um, did I miss anything on my Porzingis analysis? Super high per game upside guy that probably misses 25 games, basically. Yeah, so Porzingis here, I really needed some blocks. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns isn't a huge shot blocker, and blocks are really, really difficult to find this season, particularly with Robert Williams uh, missing the start of the year and also Jaron Jackson Jr. So that makes um, blocks really scarce inside the top 50 or so. Um, and of the guys over on Basketball Monster that we've got projected for at least eight rebounds and one block a game, there's only Jokic, Embiid, Towns, Porzingis, and Nikola Vucevic, who are actually projected to provide a positive contribution in free throw percentage. So to get both Towns and Porzingis to give me a boost in that free throw percentage, um, and I'll talk a little bit about that again later on with a player I took, but yeah, I just really needed those um, those blocks at, at that position. Um, oh, sorry, at that pick. Um, you know, Bradley Bill was still around and I would have like to have, have taken him. I think that's really good value in the third round. But I mean, all we need, all we need for Chris Tapps Porzingis is even to play, you know, 65 games and, and be healthy and, and have a really strong season. And he could put up top 15, top 20 per game value. So to get him in the thirties, I think that's a pretty good spot. Um, and like I said, yeah, just really needed those blocks at that point. You went with another second-year guy. At the end of the fifth, you went with uh, more of the... <laughs> you're doing like the the Dan slightly older guy pair with the very young one, Jalen Green at 60, Jakob Pertl at 61. Um, I don't know that I have a clever question about either of these guys. Pertl basically was around this mark uh, last year. He was better than this the second half of last season. I know there's fear of the Spurs tanking, and that's reasonable. But again, with Roto, everything they do... When he's on the floor, it counts. You know, if he disappears for a couple weeks at the end of the year, it doesn't really hurt you all that much. And then with Jalen Green, he was like around top 70, 75 range towards the end of last season. So this isn't that far from that. And every pick you're dealing with here on the turn, you don't really have the luxury of thinking, will someone make it back to me? So if there's a guy you're targeting, you kind of have to go do it. Uh, Explain how you landed on these two guys at 60 and 61. 
So I just um, spoke a little bit about blocks and Yakupertal again here. I just felt I needed some more blocks. Like I said, they, they become harder and harder to find. And um, by taking Towns and Porzingis early, that really gave me a big boost in my free throw percentage along with Caden trade. So yes, Yakupertal is a bit of a liability from the free throw line, but I was able to put a little bit of a dent in that to secure some more um, rebounds and blocks and also his field goal percentage because Kristaps Porzingis isn't great from that from that area. Um, and then Jalen Green just felt like I needed some more assists and some some guard stats. So Jalen Green was, was pretty strong towards the end of last season. I still think there's a bit of upside here at pick 60, potentially a top 50 season coming. Uh, but some really good scoring, some good threes, some handy assists. Um, and these two kind of balance each other out. I really, really wanted... Um, Jamal Murray in this range and somehow he fell to me <laughs> at my next pick at, at, at 84 which I was shocked at yeah I, I thought maybe you had lost track of what round you were talking about because you do you did get him in the next one Jamal Murray at 84 Marcus Smart at 85 Marcus Smart that's like I've been doing a lot of baseball metaphors on the podcast lately that's like the clean single that's a that's a very easy base hit for because he's not going to be horrible he's not going to blow everybody away He's like a very safe mid-80s kind of guy. Jamal Murray is more of the home run hack because if he's in there and he's playing, and like I get it with head-to-head, that's a much more dangerous play. You don't know when the rest days exactly are going to come. You don't know if anything else crops up. They're going to be super careful. But, you know, this is a guy who's gone top 40 per game. Uh, so, at, you know, at, this, at the end of the seventh round, if you even get half a season out of him here, it's worthwhile in a GamesCap Roto format. I have no qualms with either of these picks. I don't even know that I need to ask you about them, but I will. Um, Jamal Murray, you said you'd be willing to look at him as early as you just said, as, as 60-something. Is that like the point at which you start to take a, a gander his direction? Yeah, I think so, particularly in this format. Well, like I said, with Roto and percentages are so important, and, and Jamal was really good from the field and, and the free throw line as well. Um, and as you mentioned, he's had you know top 40, top 50, top, top 60 seasons in the past. Um, I think he can have a top 50 to top 60 season this year. Um, so to get him at 84, that was, that was a real steal, I think. Um, I'm not too concerned about him coming back from his ACL. The Nuggets may limit him a little bit early in the season or potentially rest him on an, an odd back-to-back, but I think come sort of, you know, December, I think he'll be pretty much up to speed and, and have a pretty strong season. And Marcus Smart, um, like you mentioned, just feels pretty safe in this range. I did need some strong steals, um, and that's where Marcus Smart comes in handy. And with Robert Williams, yeah, missing the first potentially two or three months of the season, um, then Smart and Brogdon become a little bit more important in the backcourt as, as they move um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum up a position. Um, and as you mentioned before, when there's sort of 20 or 22 picks, you know, between each of my selections picking at the turn, yeah, you sort of need to go after you guys because if they're there and, you know, you're sort of thinking, is this guy going to fall another another 10 picks? Probably not. Is he going to fall 15 or 20 picks? You know, maybe. And that's where you really need to make the decisions on, on um, yeah, going for these guys. But I, I have a general rule that you'd rather be around early than around late and missing out on someone. Yeah, it, um, I, I get the feeling this year, and, and I think it's surprising a lot of listeners of the podcast, longtime listeners at least, to hear me say things like, go take a home run hack in the fifth or sixth round. I feel like you can do it a little earlier this season um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't 
like the safe picks in the in the 50 to 70 range this year they've they've for whatever reason they've kind of like moved a little earlier and a little later like someone drove a wedge right down the safe pick pile and pushed them in each direction um but also you know not only because the, that's a good area to do it but because there's um like there's a lot of high upside guys and i feel like the you know, this is probably the case every year, but it actually to me feels like the Yahoo X ranks were even crazier than usual, and they do shape a lot of the ADPs that come down. When do you start taking home run hacks? Because for me, this this year is as early I think as I'm, I've, I'm as I'll ever do it, and it's like fourth or fifth round, where most years I waited until the sixth. I mean, in general, I'm a pretty safe and conservative drafter. I right. like to know who I'm getting, what they're going to give me, you know, ideally pencil them in for, for 70 odd games. Um, you know, I'm not going to be taking a Kyrie Irving or a Kawhi Leonard or potentially a Paul George and Anthony Davis, a Kyrie. I think I mentioned Kyrie Irving in the second round. Cause I'm just scared off about they're missing a, a huge chunk of time. And then that really puts you on the back foot. Um, you know, Chris Tapp's Porzingis, you know, yes, there's that injury concern there, but I think that young cat, um, and Cade are all pretty safe. So even if Porzingis was to miss 20 or 30 games, I still think those three guys can carry my team. Um, in terms of taking the swing, like I've probably taken one with um, with my pick in round 10, which maybe I wouldn't have gone that early on um, if we did the draft again right now. But, you know, I think as long as you've played it reasonably safe you know inside the top 50 or 60 and really built that foundation of your team i think it's fine taking a swing in yeah sort of around seven eight nine and ten because that's where you want the guys who you know you're getting at pick 70 or 80 and, and become a top 30 40 50 players a bit like a miles bridges was last season yeah you just you can't take the risk of seeing will they make it back to me even if you only have 12 13 14 picks between them and then you obviously here on the turn you really have to think about that um, your last four picks, I like to kind of clump these all together because it feels to me like after around pick 100, you start to get into a spot where, you know, you're you're choosing between ceiling and floor. That's that's <laughs> the way I've phrased. Like you're not going to find that many guys that have both. Uh, you went Buddy Heald at the end of the ninth. Isaiah Jackson, who you were talking about a minute ago, beginning of the tenth. Josh Hart, end of the eleventh, and Bones at the beginning of the twelfth. I know this is a very broad question. I'm sort of opening the floor to you here. Talking to Matt Smith, of course, at S-Man Sports on Twitter. Um, what did you like? What did you dislike about that that sort of clump of four at the end here? These are kind of the a little more flyery types. I, I know that there's a certain safety element with the particularly the first name on your list here, but these are a little more flyery than your first eight. Um, are these guys that you were targeting? Um, if so, why? And if not, why not? And then uh, I got a follow-up question after that, but I've already asked enough. That's a pretty loaded one all by itself, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Add any more. So I guess with Buddy Hield, like I went pretty much point guards and centers through my first eight picks. I really needed a wing here. And um, I mean, I could have gone in a, in a number of directions, but Buddy Hield had a really good um, sort of span when he came across to the paces last season. I'm not convinced he'll see out this season with Indiana, but Early on, hopefully, you know, he was really good scoring. Like, he averaged nearly five assists per game with the Pacers last season, which was, which was crazy. So, if he can even average, you know, four to five this season, we'll probably get four rebounds, some good shooting as well. 
Um, you know, Buddy Hield, like I said, I needed a wing. Um, so to fill that small forward position as well. And then Isaiah Jackson, he was the one who I was talking about before with with a high upside. Again, not sure what the paces are going to do with Miles Turner. If he gets moved or if he gets injured um, and they don't get anyone back in a trade who can play centre, I think Isaiah Jackson is, is just primed to take over that role, an elite shot blocker, um, and could be, yeah, you know, a top 70 or 80 guy when he gets the opportunity. So to get him at 109, I thought was pretty good value. Um, Josh Hart, again, just needed a wing guy. Not too sure what he's going to provide in, in Portland, but potentially a six-man role. And I've likened him to maybe someone like a Will Barton who can do a little bit of everything off the bench and and be sort of an, an 80 to 100, 110 guy. Um, and so once again, you know, this is a pick 130. Alex Caruso went right before it at 131, who I really like. And then Bones, that was that was high upside. Um, I wasn't really thinking about handcuffing him and Jamal Murray together, but you could you could suggest that, which I'm fine <laughs> with. I'm not big on handcuffing guys in in um, in basketball, but it can be done in in deeper leagues and particularly roto and weekly leagues where you're not using those bench spots as much. But by all reports now, he's having a pretty strong. Um, pre-season and, and training camp with, with the Nuggets and looking good and he'll spend some time next to John Mulmurray. So, yeah, really pleased to get um, Bones Highland at 133 and think there's plenty, plenty of value at that spot as well. Were these guys that you were kind of thinking about as this thing got into the later rounds, um, were, were they guys that you were kind of targeting a little bit or are they dudes that just were kind of there when it got to you? Yeah, they were pretty much just there when, when they got got to me. Like Mark, Michael Fultz was in round 10. I like him. Jalen Suggs um, at 117. Really like that pick, and he's probably one I was I was looking at. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein was another one in round 11. Um, and then, yeah, like in round 12, there could have been a handful of guys who, who you could have looked at. But, um, yeah, Bone sort of sort of stood out. And, and like I said, you know, plenty of upside there. And, and uh, a nice guard potentially coming off the bench um, in my roster and, and can you know easily put him into starting lineups um, when the matchup is right. So um, overall, I think my, my team turned out pretty well. I, I haven't got the projections in front of me, but I think I was pretty close to averaging 50% from the field and 80% from the free throw line, mm. which is what, what I, I target in, in both head-to-head and roto leagues. And, and if you can do that, you're going to be up the top of the standings in both of those categories, which I think is pretty important. Yeah, I totally agree with you. They are the forgotten categories, and everybody, I, it, it's become so uh, popular to punt one of the percentages or both sometimes, and winning them is actually... I would because of that phenomenon, winning them has become easier than five, six, seven years ago when people weren't so keen on on punting that stuff. Um, so faults, Suggs, uh, I forgot the third name you mentioned. Those are oh Isaiah Hartenstein. Hartenstein yeah. Dare dare I call those your Smitties, your Ruffies? <laughs> I'll give you two more two more names, um, Dan. I mean, I really like Trey Jones. Um, in San Antonio, he went here at pick 98, which probably a little bit early for me. But if he was there at 108 when I took Buddy Hield, I would have taken would have taken Trey Jones. Sweet. I, I'm assuming he's going to be the starting point guard um, with the Spurs. Josh Primo is probably the only other guy that can can do that. So looking forward to seeing what Jones can do, um, sort of in the next few preseason games and and across training camp. And then the other one who I don't believe um, got drafted, but I will. Um, give you his name, Dan, and that's Talon Horton Tucker 
from the, the Utah mm. Jazz, I think. Um, I think, you know, they traded for him um, for a reason. Um, he's only started 24 games in his in his early career, but in those games, he's averaged 13 points, 3.7 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.5 steals and 1-3. Um, I think there's plenty to improve on there. Um, I think they're going to play him a ton, I don't think. They've already moved, you know, Mitchell and Gobert and Bogdanovich. I don't think Conley and Clarkson will last too much longer. Um, the front court's a little bit loaded now um, in the Jazz, which isn't ideal, but I think Horton Tucker in that small forward position will be pretty sneaky, and, and I'd be taking him with a, a last-round flyer in, in most drafts, in, in standard legs, of course. Um, so, yeah, he's another name to keep an eye on. Damn, treasure trove of Smitty's here on on this appearance. Trey Jones, Taylor Horton Tucker, Isaiah Hartenstein, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Bones. Is that? I think that was six. I gotta ask you about one last guy before I mm-hmm. uh, officially let you go and and actually enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I'm trying to decide if we should reopen. I don't know if if listeners know this, but Matt and I have uh we have a shared stake. It's a timeshare. You have it in in the uh, Australian summer, and I have it in the American summer uh, mm-hmm. on Olenek Island, right? I don't know if we we yes. haven't been using our timeshare lately because it's been a little bit weird and, and bumpy. But do you think we can take a, a a little puddle jumper out there this year? Do we, do we bother? This this is one of the big the big stories <laughs> of the preseason and how this is going to play out. So, like going back, what? A month ago, it was pretty much just Walker Kessler was there by himself. And now they've got Larry Markinen, who will start at small forward, Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Olenek. They've still got um, Walker Kessler. Freaking Zeller. And, and Cody Zeller is, is there. Whether he makes the, the team, we'll find out. I mean, I think in the preseason game that's happening right now, I think they started um, Kelly Olenek at center. I haven't. I believe haven't you're right. Yeah, that, I think you're right. I mean, for him, it's all about minutes. If if he can play 27, 28 minutes per game, then, you know, Alenix a, a top 100 guy, potentially a top 80 guy. If he's playing 22 minutes a game, then he's probably not worth it. So um, he's fine as a, as a late-round flyer. I, I mean, we should probably start building a few more condos and apartments on the <laughs> island because I think it'll, right. be, it'll be worth it. Maybe expand the pool a little bit as well, Dan. Um, we're going to be rich. And, <laughs> well, that's the plan. <laughs> I had to do something weird about Kelly Olenek, you know, like, because we've, we've exchanged many a, a discussion on whether the Island should be open for business. And it sounds like at the very least we can, you know, throw a few like little tents, see if maybe somebody will rent like a yurt out there. Join us. Yeah, those, those overwater bungalows where you look through <laughs> yeah, and you got the right. turtles swimming underneath the coffee we, table. We've been so lonely out there. It'd be nice to get some, some, uh, some guests back at the, at the hotel. Uh, all right, Matt, you're officially free to go. I thank you so much as always for doing this. I appreciate you making the time. <laughs> he is Matt Smith at S man sports. Matt, of course, again, a basketball monster. Thank you, my man. This is always a pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Dan. You know, a little subplot here that I didn't bring up with Matt, but maybe I should have, is that for a couple years running, Matt has had the most downloaded midweek episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I do wonder if he can set that record again here in 2022. It's hard to compete with a Friday episode because it's up there as the most recent thing, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you kind of have to put the shows on different competition levels. You know, it's like dead ball podcast versus live ball podcast kind of thing. Way too many baseball 
metaphors and analogies on the show these days. Must be MLB postseason coming up or something. What a great night it was yesterday. And I know that all the teams didn't win, but here in Los Angeles, there was a, a point during the evening where there was a Rams, Lakers preseason, and Dodgers game on at the same time. And I'm guessing that for a lot of you, this is happening also. But this is, this is a pretty damn cool time. And in about two weeks, you'll have regular season basketball, regular season football, and playoff baseball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great time. My family is going to hate me. Not, not all of them. My older son really likes it, likes the sport, so he'll be thrilled. He'll be on TV. We'll sit on the couch, and everybody else will be looking at us like, Come, can't you guys interact with somebody once in a while? I'll take a line from the, a living snowman named Olaf, and I'll say, nope. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Is this off-season episode 127? Did I get that right? I keep bouncing back and forth. Is it 132 or 127? I don't know. I think it's 127. It doesn't matter. Uh, Once again, please do drop a follow at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Go get something over at Sports Ethos. Let's keep this locomotive running, man. The site keeps growing, and that's the reason why. Your continued patronage, listenership, all that good stuff. Uh, And hey, I haven't bugged you in a while. If you guys are enjoying the show here as we ramp up to the season, please do take a moment to drop a five-star review on the podcast. And go check out our YouTube page. We got all sorts of cool new stuff over there. I've been saying it for a while, but we finally did it. There's like five or six new shows in the last three days. YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos. Really easy to find. The rest of the week, uh, we'll be talking to Jonas Nader, Matt Straup, Aaron Bruski. Feel like maybe you've heard of him. It's going to be a fun week here on the show. Let's make it a big one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.